0: This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUB Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis,
1: this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. NFL Friday, week three,
2: we are back, ready to go. Vinny DeBellis, Jackson Heil, Matt Costantini, Artemis Segaris, here to bring you all things NFL. Guys, what's going on? Uh, not much. I
3: could be a lot better than I am right now with what transpired last night, but we'll get to
4: that momentarily.
2: A lot to get into.
4: I'm kind of just weathering the storm for what is going to be the Houston defensive line against Eric Flowers all weekend.
2: It's not going to be a pretty sight, and Artemis will have us with fantasy updates throughout the show. Uh I, I need to know who I'm going to play, who I'm going to sit this week. Made a big trade in my fantasy league, which I'll tease. Oof. I'm going to get into that. i, t- I totally rip somebody off, and we'll, we'll get into that later, but... uh yeah, crazy. It's it's always nice when a trade just comes by. You weren't even thinking about it, and your team gets better. But uh, the Jets are a team that need need to get better after last night. Uh, it it hurt because it seems like it was the exact opposite of what happened against Miami. You know they came out strong yesterday. I don't even know if they came out strong. Cleveland just came out really bad yesterday. It's not like the Jets were playing excellent football by any means, but. Um, they need to have a complete game, and as I'll say in, in my Jets report coming up pretty soon, it's it seeming like week one was the outlier of the three, as opposed to, you didn't know which real Jets team you were getting after the first two.
3: Yeah, and I, you said it perfectly, this this was a great opportunity for the Jets to get a win, you go, you're up 14-0 late in the first half, Tyrod Taylor is an absolute mess, and then all of a sudden Baker Mayfield comes in, thanks to Tyrod's injury, and you kind of felt like right there, it was going to shift, and once it was 14-3 at the half, I honestly thought the game was over. I thought Cleveland was winning personally, just because the way the Jets played in the first half, offensively, they sucked, and, and, and yes, they scored 14 points, but the first drive, they had a short field, and the second drive, they only ran the ball. That, that's all they could do the entire night. Jeremy Bates, his play calling was pathetic as the game went on, and I'll get more into that later, because I know we're going to go to the report soon, but... It was just the whole game start to finish. Even when even when Taylor was in the game for Cleveland, I didn't even think the Jets were playing that well defensively because there was time after time that Taylor was whistling wide open receivers downfield that eventually it turned that Mayfield would start hitting them. And honestly, if Mayfield started that game, I think this could have been a blowout going in Cleveland's
4: favor. I thought Baker should have been starting from last week because... In the opening game, Tyrod looked bad. He really can't throw downfield that well, and you saw what Baker did. And he said it himself in his postgame press conference: "You'd never want to see a guy go down injured, and that's the reason you come in." But I think you said it perfectly. This, I think, we learned two things from the Jets so far: that the Detroit Lions are really, really bad. I don't. I don't think anyone's gonna debate that. And that this is still a team that has a long way to go. Yeah, they may have found their guy in Sam Darnold. I I think it's fair to say they found their guy. No rookie quarterback really stands out immediately. But he looked, he looked all right in the, in the Detroit game. He had his struggles in the Miami game. And then today, or last night, excuse me, I think you saw that he just isn't There completely yet.
2: Yeah, and it's impossible to be there when you don't have any any help. I thought you nailed it in terms of uh offense. I'll call it creativity on the on the play calling aspect. There was no creativity. It, it, It seemed like you knew what they were doing. A lot of screen plays, and then no offensive line protection. The the protection I thought was pretty bad throughout the game. So you can't expect anyone to be good. And I thought Darnold is pretty good at making something out of nothing a lot of times, but. So Some poor decision-making, though, toward the end of the game with, with the interceptions, but I thought he was pretty good for most of the game. We'll have a lot of more Jets talk to get into, but first we're going to go to our first fantasy update from Artemis
4: Segaris. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players
0: our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Even though his first week was a bust, last week Travis Kelsey shone with seven receptions and two touchdowns, which led to a Kansas City win over the Steelers, 42-37. This week, they face the 49ers, and Kelsey is sure to be a hit again. Part of the reason the Chiefs are 2-0 is because of quarterback Patrick Mahomes. He's had 10 touchdowns in the past two weeks, which is a record. He looks to stay hot against the 49ers this week, making him a stud. Even though the Giants are 0-2, Saquon Barkley has had two very good weeks catching 14 of 16 throws even though he didn't gain many yards. However, he does have a combined 108 scrimmage yards, and will keep that going against the Texans this week.
2: It was a tale of two halves for the Jets Thursday night against the Browns in Cleveland. After getting out to a 14-0 lead in the first half, number one overall pick Baker Mayfield came into the game for the Browns to lead Cleveland all the way back for a 21-17 victory. Mayfield picked apart the Jets defense that did a pretty good job containing starting QB Terod Taylor in the first half. Mayfield was efficient and poised, finishing 17 for 23 with just over 200 yards and no turnovers in his debut. Post-game, head coach Todd Bowles insisted that it was a lack of Jets execution that was the difference maker.
1: It was the same plays. They were the same plays. We knew what the quarterbacks were. We knew one ran more than the other. He just did a good job, and we didn't. Sam Darnold struggled, but he
2: didn't get adequate protection or very creative play calling. He was unable to lead the Jets down the field late, throwing two costly interceptions in the last two Jets drives. His 161 yards passing will not be enough to beat most teams considering the way this Jets team is constructed. Quincy Anunwa has emerged as Darnold's top target, but many of his gains yesterday came on screenplays. I'd like to see Darnold take more shots down the field in the future. In the run game, Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell split carries evenly. Powell was more efficient, but Crowell was the one to find the pay dirt twice. It was the second time in five days that the Jets had opportunities and couldn't seal the deal. While the penalties last night didn't plague the Jets nearly as much as they did in the Dolphins game, it's still an area that needs improvement. The schedule doesn't get any easier for the Jets with the Jags and Broncos on the horizon. With three games in the books, it's seeming more and more like the opener against the Lions was the outlier. Consistency will be key for the Jets moving forward. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Big shout-out to Emmanuel Barbari, keeping everything going behind the boards. But, yeah, I, I mentioned at the end of that Jets report, the, the schedule upcoming. And when I saw a schedule at the beginning of this year, I said, look, there there may be a chance that the Jets could be 3-0, but then it gets tough pretty quickly. We didn't know exactly what the Broncos were going to be. They've impressed so far. The Vikings have impressed. The Jags have impressed. So, I, I mean, it's, it's not unrealistic to see – Sort of like the Giants' schedule, that this could be a team that's one in five, one in six, and then it's not going to get easier when you have the Pats twice, even though you play the Bills. But it's it's going to get tough pretty quickly for the Jets.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the Jags next week. That that that's definitely a tough game. But I I will say this: the Jets did beat the Jags last year. I don't think people anyone can look to that as a comparison for this year because one, the Jaguars are clearly a better team than they were, and two, it's a much different offense that the Jets are running this year. and well, I'm gonna speak on Jeremy Bates right now because you look at last night. If people are blaming Darnold for this game, I, I don't know what to tell you because one, the play calling all night long was atrocious. They ran the ball nonstop in the first half, and to give him credit, it worked. But if you want Cleveland to not to stop stacking the box every time on every play, you gotta work in the pass at some point, and you gotta work in the pass downfield all game long. The Jets. Most successful play all game was was the screen pass to the right side to Quincy and Nunwall. And give them some credit, it did work for a lot, but you can only do so much offensively when the only plays you're running are screen plays, four-yard outs, and honestly, what was it? They'd run some, like, 10-yard post routes. That was, the, that, was the, that was the farthest routes they were running all game. The only time they even made an effort to go downfield was at the end of the game when Darnold threw into triple coverage to Robbie Anderson when the game was already over at that point. So you look back to Week 1, They really only took a few shots downfield, but one of them was a touchdown to Robbie Anderson. And the other one, Quincy, and number one uh, prior, were able to make plays. So you got to give this guy a chance to make plays. You look at the difference yesterday. Baker Mayfield, they attacked the Jets' defense all night long. And the Jets paid for it. They, They were playing passive zone defense. It almost looked like they were in prevent defense the entire second half. And that's been one of my major problems with Todd Bowles is that In second halves of games, this team has come out so passive, they're not disciplined, and they they play to not lose instead of playing to try to win. And that was the entire reason that the Jets lost last night. They were passive in the passing game. They ran the ball way too many times. I mean, the fact that it's predictable that they're going to run on second and 10 and second and long every time shows how much of a joke it was. And John Morton, who was the offensive coordinator last year, he got into arguments with Todd Bowles from time to time saying that he wanted to put the ball in the air more. Well, it should be kind of predictable looking in hindsight that this was going to be the case then because the Jets wanted to run the ball. They got an offensive coordinator who Bowles likes because, one, he's going to run the ball a lot and not try to throw the ball downfield. It it, it really really stinks because if you have a guy like Morton last night, I don't think the Jets lose this game.
4: It's kind of crazy to think that the, the Jets' defense looked more prepared and better against Matthew Stafford than they did against, I, I guess they looked all right against Tyrod. Uh, it, he's kind of limited in what he can do anyway, so it's not that difficult. And I know Todd Bowles said at halftime that he and his team prepared to see Baker Mayfield. They watched film on Baker Mayfield. It didn't really look like it. They they looked a little stunned when he came off the, off the sideline and, and started doing what he was doing. I know we were talking about it before the show. His first couple throws, watching the ball come out of his hand, and it just looked like a rocket yeah, coming out. Yeah, zip on it. The zip it, on it compared it to It was that. crazy. And they did he's not— so accurate, too. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's really good. And he, the Jets defense just did not look ready for the level of competition that Baker Mayfield was going to bring. They didn't look ready for the athleticism that he brings because you, you, you could argue that Tyrod is a better runner and— he might be more athletic than Baker, but he brings a different element, I guess, because not only do you have to worry about his his scrambling, which he showed he could do at Oklahoma and then again last night, but he has a much, much better arm than Tyrod Taylor, so you cannot just key in on, on short plays and short passes, dump-offs, off, dump and maybe even stopping the run game from the quarterback a little bit. You have to defend downfield, so I think... I'm not willing to fault them for not being ready to face a guy that they probably didn't think they would see, but they're that's kind of the in-game adjustment they have to make. They they need to see what's happening with Baker Mayfield. They saw him in a two-minute offense at the end of the first half, and they could have come out a little bit more ready. I guess.
2: No, I, I totally agree with that. And one thing that Bull said in the post-game interview, I watched that whole thing about about an hour ago. It it he he was saying how, you know that. A lot of things that Baker and Tyrod Taylor do are very similar. They prepare for them similarly. The plays were the same. You know, and even though Taylor's a bit of a better mover, as you said, it's not like uh, Baker Mayfield can't, isn't mobile outside of the pocket. You know, he can create a little bit for himself, and he, he was dynamic when he got outside of the pocket made some tough throws. His confidence was there. So I, I think the preparation for both guys was somewhat similar, but I think you brought up a good point when you said how that they were passive and you see that with a lot of teams at every level of football you get up and then you drop back you don't send that same pressure and that was the best thing they were doing defensively in the first half I don't know how many sacks they had in total but it seemed like in the first half they were sending pressure and when they weren't sacks it was rushing a bad throw or you know just sending that disruption and yeah, it's easier to do when you're not ahead I get why you want to play more conservatively But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm amping up that pressure the whole game. Even though the Jets have some pieces in their secondary, obviously that are really good. But if the pass rush is working, I'm continuing to send guys throughout that second half, even if you're up. Here, here's the one thing I'll say about
3: that, because in the first half, at at halftime, the Browns made an adjustment, and you got to. Actually, I never thought I'd say this, but you got to give Todd Haley some credit here. They started to hurry up the offense just a little bit. They they weren't going into. These full-time huddles, and the Jets don't have good pass rushers. That that's kind of been well known. And in order for the Jets to get pressure, they have to design blitzes, and they have to design these big-time scheme blitzes. Which, in the second half, when there's no the Browns really aren't running much of a huddle in an offense, you don't have time to get the play in and design it like that. One thing that's always it's fascinating to me that the Jets have done is it's third and 18, third and 19, back-to-back weeks. And they run all-out blitzes. I mean, we we we, against last week against the Dolphins, they lost that game because they drew an out and all-out blitz on third and nineteen at Miami's what was it forty-yard line, and they got a screen pass for a first down. This week, the same exact thing happens. It's a third and eighteen. The Jets run an all-out blitz, and I don't know if they got the first down or not, but they got pretty damn close to it, and it set up a field goal. So it, it. it's interesting that the Jets continue to blitz in the wrong spots, and in the second half, to, to give them, to give uh, like the Brown, to give the Browns some credit, they put Baker in situations where he wasn't going to see a ton of blitzes because one, they also had the run game working, which Carlos is ironic. Hyde was really night. good, and when you play passive, you are going to open up, you are going to open up gaps along the line, and basically where the linebackers would be for them to run, and the Browns took full advantage of it, and that also has to be to put back on the Jets for being so conservative. It it, it it was such a joke to watch that team in the second half because you know, it was pretty much right out on the table for them to say, here, go win this game. Here's what you have to do. Just keep doing what you're doing. And they went for, away from everything that they do well, and they deserve to lose 100%. And honestly, I think that game alone, if he wasn't already on it, I think that game alone puts Todd Bowles on the hot seat. Just with the way it went down, the undisciplinedness, Of the Jets, I mean, we saw multiple times Tremaine Johnson picking up on sportsman-like penalties, and that's stuff that's happened throughout his entire tenure. I think he's got to be on the hot seat, and if things don't change soon like he's promised, I think he's done after this year.
4: I really like that you brought up Todd Haley because when he and the Pittsburgh Steelers parted ways, I thought that he was an immediate fit for the New York Giants. They had a needed offensive coordinator. I really liked the work he had done in Pittsburgh. He, He pretty much made Ben Roethlisberger look like a... Acceptable quarterback these last couple of years when he's obviously been on the decline, and he could probably could have helped out Eli Manning in the same way. I really liked the the plays that he was calling for Baker Mayfield. He w- it looked like he was running an offense that he was running in Oklahoma. A lot of no huddle, a lot of a lot of just big plays that could be made. And to your point about Todd Bowles, that's something that I was thinking. I I would assume that he's on the hot seat, but. I think the saving grace is that this is his first year with his with his quarterback. It's it's obviously that they're ready to go with Sam Darnold and they're going to live and die by this kid well, I mean, no matter be, what. To be
3: to be completely fair, it's been his quarterback every year because true, they yeah. signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. they signed Josh McCowan, and now they get Darnold, but I think I, I I here's what I'll say about the offense and I'll let you go get into it quickly. This is the first year where he has control really over the offense because Morton was pretty much in complete control last year, and the Jets just did pretty well offensively, even though I know they finished 28th in the league in points, but part of that was because McCown got hurt, and Bryce Petty was playing quarterback the last few games of the season, but the fact that Morton made Josh McCown look like a productive quarterback is pretty amazing, but here you have Sam Darnold, who is the pride of this team, he's the quarterback of the future of this franchise. And this offense looks
4: like a joke. The last two weeks, it, it's it's a disgrace. I think there's obviously going to be growing pains for for Sam Darnold, as there are with any and every rookie quarterback, unless you're Tom Brady or or something of that ilk. But I think that they're going to be very lenient with Todd Bowles for two. Three years, maybe, but they've maybe. been, wow. been lenient with him I mean, for the last two years. I think, I think they're willing to go through these go- growing pains because they know that they're not where they they're not a playoff team. They obviously know they're not a playoff team. So why put the pressure on the head coach and the rookie quarterback to say you guys need to start performing right now this year or you're gone? But that that's
3: not my problem. My problem is the way that it's happening. It, it's the way that they're losing games because. You look at his record he the is last two years. obviously getting out. Coach, what are they? Eleven and twenty-five in their, or eleven? And some, I, I forget their record over the last two years. But they've been five and eleven in the last two years. One and two to start this year. But the way in which they're losing games, I mean, they could easily been five hundred last year had a few ba- had a few things gone their way at the end of the game at, at the end of games. And you look at the two losses this year, two variable, winnable games. They're losing games that they should be winning. And a lot of that, to me, is falls coaching. on the coaching style of exactly. Todd Bowles. In
2: any sports. So, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think it's not necessarily going to be the record that determines whether or not Bowl sticks around. But it, it does seem like his name has been on the hot seat for the past year or two. But with Darnold, I, I do understand. Look, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they give him another year if they go 7-9 or something. But it's going to depend on how they're losing these games, how they're winning these games, and they could have won won all three so far, and that's what's frustrating as a Jets fan. Should be interesting to see how they come out against Jacksonville, but right now it's time for fantasy update number two with Artemis Segaris.
4: Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week.
0: Although Philip Rivers has been putting up good points in the past two weeks, he might crumble against a great Rams defense this week, and he should not be your starting quarterback and should stay on your bench this week. Demarius Thomas is a fantasy dud this week. He has just over a 50% catch rate, and even though the Broncos are facing a decently strong Ravens Ravens defense, don't put Thomas in your lineup this week. Even though Derek Carr has completed over 80% of his passes, he's thrown for only one touchdown and three interceptions. The 0-2 Raiders are facing the 2-0 Dolphins, so don't look for him to have a good game against the Dolphins this week.
1: Sitting at 0-2, the odds are heavily stacked against the New York Giants. Last week's loss against the Cowboys deflated the fan base. 255 yards on 67 plays isn't gonna get the job done, no matter who you're playing. DeMarcus Lawrence and the Cowboys' pass rush was far too much for the weak Giants' offensive line, and it's only gonna get tougher. Big Blue travels down to Houston to take on another underachieving team, the Houston Texans. After dropping close games to the Patriots and Titans, The highly talented team led by Deshaun Watson is looking for their first W in week three. Houston is a six point favorite and with good reason. It's hard to find a pass rush duo more talented than J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. They're gonna give the offensive line and Eli Manning nightmares leading up to Sunday. While a lot of the blame has come down on that offensive line, Eli Manning is deserving of some grief as well. The 37 year old has become gun shy and is failing to find open receivers down the field. Some of that may be due to a lack of time, but I feel a lot of it is a lack of confidence in his arm strength. Coach Shermer made a few questionable calls, and I feel he's been too conservative overall. When you have Odell Beckham, you need to take those shots down the field. And with Saquon Barkley going forward on fourth and one in the middle of the field, shouldn't be a question. On the medical side, it's been getting worse for the Giants, and the top layer is deteriorating. Olivier Vernon will be out for the third week in a row. Eli Apple, who has played very well so far, will miss Sunday's game with a groin injury, so B.W. Webb will start in his place. Also, the Giants will be without their starting center, John Jalapio, for the rest of the season. As far as Sunday goes, this is a bad matchup for Big Blue. Houston's strengths lie in the pass rush and throwing the ball down the field. Without Eli Apple, it'll be easier for Deshaun Watson to expose the holes in the Giants' defense. Giants drop their third in a row, 24-13, Texans on top. Covering the New York Giants, I'm David Spampinato, WFUV Sports.
2: So great stuff there from our Giants guy, David Spampinato. And he mentioned the, the spread on that game, the Texans are favored by six. What I want to know from you guys, what's the over-under on Eli Manning's sacks for the game? Because when I hear the the pass rush and ha- you, you combine how great that pass rush is combined with ha- how bad the Giants' offensive line has been, you got to think he's going to get sacked, I-, I think, like eight or ni- nine times. I was, gonna, I I was around about there. to say eight. I yeah. think that's a safe number, at least eight. And it's hard to win a game getting
3: sacked eight or nine times. What what, what do you have it at? <laughs> eight or nine is a good number. They're going to do some type of scheming to get J.J. Watt and Eric Flowers, and I know you were talking about <laughs> yeah. that pregame. It's going to be it's going be alternating between Watt being on that side or Jadavion Clowney. It's going to be a disaster for the Giants, and I don't know how they're going to get the run game going because, one, the, the pass rush is going to provide too much for the Giants to get any passing game going. The Texans said, honestly, just stack the box the entire game and the Giants will have nothing offensively. It's, it's going to be a rough one. And
2: I'm just so frustrated for, for Saquon Barkley. When I see him out there and I see how talented he is as, as a runner, he's making the first guy miss every single time. If he's in the open field, you're not getting him. But the second guy, the problem with the Giants offense, the second guy's about a yard or two behind him. So he has no room to to make anything happen. And when you see a guy who's been as good as he has it just seems like wasted talent I know there's all this talk about who they should have picked now should they have gone with Darnold I'm, I'm not going to get into that right now but it just it, it hurts to see such talent wasted not only there but with Odell Beckham and they, they have a lot of problems that's that's not even the biggest issue but what were you going to get into
4: I think the the best defensive plan for the Texans is to throw J.J. Watt inside and line him up in front of Patrick Mama, and then have Jadavion Clowney line up against Eric Flowers and just let them go to town <laughs> Because they have been easily the worst part of the offensive line. I know Nate Solder hasn't really been living up to, to his contract yet, but it's, it's there. I know that he'll figure it out. It's a new system. It's a new scheme. You can't go from immediately playing with the best quarterback ever to going to play with an, with an aging quarterback that's not as good as the other one and expect to have the same results. It's going to be a learning curve. But to your point about Saquon Barkley, I don't think that they're real I think they're wasting his run talent because mm-hmm. that's obvious. He's a home run hitter. As we saw in the Jacksonville game, he made that first guy miss and then he was just off. It was a home run play. But you saw the, how they used him in the Dallas game. 14, I believe it was 14 14 of 16, yeah, 14 of 16 over crazy. 100 yards. <laughs> and they were all just dump passes because Eli couldn't Either. the only thing he can do. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing he can do right now. That's, I mean, it's good that they're still getting him involved, but as was said in the report, you have Odell Beckham Jr., you have Sterling Shepard, you have Evan Ingram, you need to be able to hit these guys, and the offensive line is just giving Eli Manning no time, and they need to figure it out quick, or, I mean, I'm not ready to call it a, a done season already, but it's looking eerily similar to how last year went. You start 0-2, and then before you know it, you're 3-13. and
3: Here's what the Giants' offense is right now. It's an aging quarterback outside his prime who's not very good anymore. And you, you, could, you could argue what Eli is and he isn't. The, the fact of the matter is he's not, he's not what he was and he's not that good anymore. It's an offensive line that is pretty... I think it's pretty safe to say it's the worst in the league, especially with how things unfolded. Eric Flowers is the worst right tackle in the league, and even though they've moved him, they've kind of moved him around to the right and left side. But he's a disaster. The rest of the offensive line has also been a disaster. They traded away Brett Jones. They already lost their starting center for the rest of the year. Nate Soldier, who's supposed to be the savior, has been awful. Will Hernandez, who they took 34th overall, has not been good either.
4: He, he's showing flashes, he's, I th- He was he better in be the fine. He was
3: better in the second half of the Dallas game, and as was kind of the rest of the offensive line. But... This is a this is a team right now, with they're bad in they're good in the in the spots where you would like them to be good if they had the other pieces. They're not good in every important spot on offense, which is the quarterback and the offensive line. And like you guys said, Houston is going to tear them apart, especially on that especially on that left side if they move Watt to right in front of where Onama. I don't even... I can't even pronounce his name. I don't matter. even, I don't even want to make an effort too, but. If they move him to that left side and Clowney going against Flowers one on one, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be a long day for Eli. And I I I personally don't think Eli is very good, but you have you have to give him the benefit of the doubt, saying that he hasn't had time to do anything whatsoever. I mean the fact that he threw sixteen check down passes to Saquon Barkley against Dallas shows you everything you need to know, not only about Eli but about the way this Giants offense is operating. They have no time to do. Anything, and that was a defense in Dallas. Who, yes, they have Demarcus Lawrence, who's arguably the best pass rusher in the game right now. But th- that's a that's a defense that isn't. It's a middle of the pack defense at best, and and they give they gave the Giants all types of trouble. So it's only going to get worse from here on out. And like you said, I, I they said that they're going to try to force feed Odell early in the game, and. Personally, I think that's the only way you they can should. do you can do you can do it at this point because you have to give him a chance to make a play in the open field and you're not gonna be able to go deep to him because you're just not gonna have the time. But they're gonna have to find him on a few quick slants to start, just like you did in twenty sixteen. I mean, he probably took like eight slants for touchdowns in twenty sixteen. They got they gotta to try to get something going that way, and that'll hopefully open things up for Barkley, but I just I don't see the Giants' offense doing very much, especially against this Texans' defense.
4: I also think that they're going to have a really hard time containing Deshaun Watson because, granted, while these first two games against Jacksonville and Dallas have been close, I think they've lost by these two games by combined 12 points. Yep. So it's safe to say that a couple different things go their way. They could easily be 2-0, but it's just not... Oh, I
3: don't think they were ever in that Dallas game. I mean... It's a deceiving score. They it just is, more yeah, the late I, touchdown. I think
4: so, yeah. But... They have struggled so bad against read option plays this year, and you even saw in the preseason with Dak crazy yeah, or yeah last week, but yeah. yeah last week even in preseason against the Patriots backup quarterback, he took an 86 yard read option to the house, and you got you let Blake Bortles break off a 41 yard <laughs> run against you. That should never happen. And then Dak just ran all. He looked better than Ezekiel Elliott did most of yeah. the night, honestly. So. I th- and Deshaun Watson is a much more explosive runner than both of those guys combined and throw in someone else if you want to. I, there, It's going to be a rough game all around.
2: No, I, I agree with that. And as I'm looking at the schedule, there's not a game that I can circle, really, that, that is a gimme for – you got at the Texans, home against the Saints, at the Panthers, Eagles, at the Falcons. Like, there's no gimme there. And it just shows you how well-rounded the NFC is. Maybe, maybe there's no – actually, I don't – Compared to the AFC, it's a it's a different year this year. But you you have like six to eight teams that that could be Super Bowl contenders. I I think there, and that's what's been fun about the NFC for the past few years. But it, it's it's just gonna be tough to circle a game that the Giants definitely are gonna win, and a, f- a few more games here. And as you said, it becomes like last season where you you can toss it away. But the one thing I'll say about the line is when you have guys moving around. It, it, when it has to function as a collective unit and, and you're moving guys around who haven't played positions before, then I, I think you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment period, which I think is is fair enough to say. And look, last year it didn't really come around. It's not like the line rapidly improved toward the end of the season. So I'll, I'll give him maybe one or two more games to, to figure it out. But with Eli behind there, as everyone knows, he needs about as much time as anyone at this stage in his career you can make an argument
3: that it's going to be an adjustment period, but I think that also shows a lack of preparedness coming into the season on the Giants' part because the fact that they had to move so many guys around. Eric Flowers should have been cut this summer. I, mm. I think. I think there were a lot of people on board that he shouldn't have been a Giant anymore. And I, I just, I there was a lot of unknowns even even with the way they tried to revamp the offensive line. I mean, as good of a pick as Hernandez was, he's still a second round rookie. Nate Soldier passed his prime, even though he was great with New England. It, th- there were a lot of unknowns coming in the season, especially on the part of trading the best center on the roster in Brett Jones. It, it just it didn't make a lot of sense to me what Dave Gettleman was trying to do, especially with the decisions he made to add Barkley. And I, I, know, I know you're a fan of that pick, and Barkley's going to be a great talent, but there was no real need to add weapons. There was a need to g- get some solidification on that offensive line. And even with the way they tried to revamp it, they didn't do a good job of it, because especially when you're moving guys out of position, particularly Eric Flowers, who was awful in his original position, I just didn't think, looking into the season, that it was going to be a method that was going to have some success for the Giants, and that's clearly not the case early to on. To your
4: point about Gettleman in the offensive line, he pretty much preached that from the second he walked in the building. Rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defensive line, get those hog mollies in there, and then he goes in. And let's go, easily, the team's two best offensive linemen, Justin Pugh and Western Richburg, who, granted, had their injury problems last year, but are still better than anyone and everyone on the current offensive line. And to Vinny's point, I don't see a winnable game until December 16th against Tennessee. Wow. And that's the third last game of the season. And and Houston's
3: 0-2 right now, too. Like, Like, that's how bad we're talking about how the Giants
2: are right now. It's a... It's going to be a, a very disaster. long <laughs> season. It's a bleak future for Giants fans, but who knows? I mean, the, the talent's there, but I am not very optimistic. I think a, a win against uh, the Texans would be a, a big surprise, but that'll do it for Giants talk right now. Oh, and real quick, I want to get into that fantasy trade that uh, I teased earlier. So I, I wake up to a, a request. Tevin Coleman, I, I picked up Coleman like last week. A Tevin Coleman trade for Will Fuller. And LaShawn McCoy, that's what I was getting in return. How, how can you say huh. no to that? And also, real quick, can you try to rationalize it from his, his side offering it to me? I, I'll rationalize it by saying this. McCoy, that offense in Buffalo is it's
0: a disaster. Really bad. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but still, it's LaShawn McCoy. Tevin Coleman is the second hes the second running back exactly. right now, even though Freeman wasn't healthy last week. But Will Fuller is really good. Yeah. I, I think Fuller is great, particularly with Deshaun Watson at the helm. But...
4: Geez, you gotta go on there. I can see it as Will Fuller hasn't shown he can stay healthy throughout his NFL career so far. LaTron McCoy is currently hurt, and everyone kind of assumes he's gonna get suspended for something at some point in relation <laughs> to this whole thing Yeah, with that's a great point. And... Tevin Coleman, uh, Devontae Freeman hasn't been able to stay healthy either, and he's been a really good point. So I think it's b- obviously better for you right now, but we'll have to see.
2: We'll see. If, if Coleman's the top back, I could see maybe him winning the trade. But uh, we'll, we'll send it over to Artemis for our final fantasy segment, and then it's time for Pick'Em, everybody's favorite part of the show.
4: Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking.
0: Alex Smith is a sleeper quarterback for Week 3. He didn't pass for a touchdown last week, but he should have a great game this week and definitely be on your radar. OJ Howard had a great week last week with three receptions and a 75-yard touchdown and reminded everybody why he was a first-round pick in the 2017 draft. Look for him in the game against the Steelers, who allowed Kelsey to have a huge game this week. If you have Latavius Murray, you have to start him this week, especially now that Delvin Cook is out. The Vikings are facing off against the Bills, who have allowed six touchdowns to running backs in the past two weeks. Definitely keep an eye out on Murray this week.
2: All right, so it's time for Pick'em. New Orleans at Atlanta. I like the Saints on the road.
3: Saints haven't looked good defensively early on. I'm taking the Falcons after the big week last week at home.
4: I'll take the Saints. I'm, I believe in Drew Brees, and I think that defense is going to figure it out. Michael Thomas
3: play. has been a monster, Yes,
4: though. he has. I'll say that.
0: I'm going to tie it up and say the Falcons are going to win this week.
2: Okay, and Green Bay at Washington. I like Green Bay. I think they should have won that game last week against Minnesota. Or was that two weeks? No, last, no, last week. week yeah, yeah I, I like Green Bay. Washington is better than the people
3: think, and I like Alex Smith, but I think Green Bay's offense is just too much. I'll take the pack.
4: Washington's defense has looked really good, but their offense is so suspect. Give me Green Bay.
0: I'm also going to go with Green Bay, especially after their tie last week. I think they're going to want to make up for that and get another win this week.
2: All right, Colts at Philly. I think the the Eagles haven't impressed so far, but I think they're going to get back to their winning ways this week against the Colts. Carson Wentz is back in week three.
3: Indianapolis is awful on taking Philly.
4: Yeah, Carson Wentz is back. I
2: think they're going to be fine, Eagles.
0: As much as I hate to say it, I also think that the Eagles are going to win, so I guess we'll see what happens.
2: Buffalo at Minnesota. I think the spread on this one is
4: 16 and a half points.
0: Ridiculous Not for an NFL
4: game. I'm f- going Minnesota. I feel bad if you pick Buffalo. It's gotta be the Vikings. It's the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is living up to that contract.
0: It's definitely the Vikings.
4: Oakland at Miami. Now Miami impressed me last week,
2: but I, I like Oakland here and a bit of an upset Ooh. I guess. I don't like John
3: Gruden, I, I don't like that Oakland Raiders offense, I, I like Adam Gase in Miami and I think Miami's legit this year, I'm taking Dolphins.
4: I refuse to pick the Raiders simply because John Gruden said it's hard <laughs> to find good pass rushers, give me Miami.
0: I'm also gonna go with Miami, uh, they're 2-0 and and I don't think they're gonna give that up anytime soon.
2: Denver at Baltimore, the one time I saw Baltimore this year, they Joe Flacco, mm-hmm. one of the worst two minute drills I've ever seen, <laughs> ever, so Denver. Every time I pick the Ravens
3: in this, I say Joe Flacco is elite. So I'm going to say Joe Flacco is elite. I'm not buying Denver. They've had two games at home against Seattle and Oakland, two very bad teams. I'm going to take the Ravens.
4: Case Keenum showed last year that with a competent slot receiver, he can do some damage, and he showed that with Emmanuel Sanders so far. So let me get Denver.
0: I'm also going to take Denver in this. I just think that they're going to maybe not blow them out, but they're going to have a decent lead on them.
2: Cincy at Carolina this one's tough for me but the Bengals have have been impressive through two weeks so far I'm gonna go Cincy
3: yeah this is this is a real tough one Cincinnati's offense has looked really exciting but I think Cam Newton at home is too dangerous in front of that crowd I'm gonna take Carolina
4: yeah Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey have been the best players on the team and even without Greg Olson I think that they're still better than Cincinnati so let me get Carolina
0: Even though the Bengals have been great the past two weeks, I think the Panthers are going to win this week, especially at home.
2: Giants at Houston. We talked a lot about this. I'd love to see the Giants win. I don't see it happening, though. I think a big day for Deshaun Watson, anyone who has him in fantasy.
3: There's too much talent on both of these teams for them to be 0-4 thus far, but somehow they are. I think Houston is a much better team in that defensive line is going to give them too much trouble.
4: I'm starting Houston's defense in one of my fantasy leagues, and it kills me to say it, but they're going to win by a whole lot.
0: I'm starting Houston's defense too, but I'm actually going to say the Giants are going to win this week. I'm going for an upset this week. I
2: like it. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Titans, and I-, I think Jacksonville can play even better than they've been playing so far, so I'm going to go with the Jags. Yeah, I mean, the whole situation with playing Gabbert and Marcus
3: Mariota there is really interesting. I'm not a fan of Mariota, and Jacksonville's too good. Blake Boris has looked great.
4: I think I saw Mariota is going to play today, is going to play this weekend, but they still don't have uh, Taylor Luan, they don't have Jack Conklin. Against that Jags D-line, give me the Jags.
0: I'm going to go with the Jags also. Uh, I just don't see the Titans winning against them this week, especially with the Jags at home.
2: San Francisco against KC. we got Garoppolo and Mahomes. It's going to be a fun one. I think Mahomes cools off a little bit, but he still does enough to make the Chiefs 3-0. and
3: Yeah, if this game was out west, I think I'd be taking San Francisco. But back at Arrowhead, especially with the way that offense is played, Tyree Kill is the most
4: explosive player in the NFL.
3: I'm taking Kansas City.
4: I, I'm with you. I think Mahomes takes a little bit of a step back this week, but I think Kareem Hunt finally shows up and makes, makes a difference, so give me Kansas City.
0: I'm also going to go with uh, Kansas City. I mean, with Mahomes and Kelsey, they just make a great team, and when they broke the record with 10 touchdowns in the past two weeks, I just have to go with the Chiefs again.
2: San Diego at the Rams. I'm going to L.A., one of the most fun teams to watch so far through two weeks. I'm actually going to change
3: it up, even though it is the L.A. Chargers. It's L.A. on L.A., but okay. I'm going to take the Chargers in this one. They're, they're one of those teams that analytics loves. Their defense is great. They have two great corners, and it's one of those games I just have a feeling Phillip Rivers is going to have one of his signature moments. I'm taking the Chargers.
4: Prior to Week 1, I forgot that the Rams picked up in Damakun Sioux, and that has made me even more high on them, so let me get the Rams this week.
0: I actually think that Rivers is not going to have a good week this week, and because of that, I'm going to have to go with the Rams.
2: Dallas at Seattle. Seattle didn't look good on Monday Night Football last week, and I think Dallas builds on the success against the Giants. Give me Dallas. Yeah, I'm with you there.
3: Dallas looked really good last week. Dak Prescott in particular looked good against that Giants defense, and like you said Seattle I just don't think is very good even at home I'll take the Cowboys
4: yeah there's something about Seattle this year that they just don't have it they lost a lot of guys on defense Russell Wilson doesn't really have anyone to throw to I'll take Dallas the Seahawks
0: have been um, pretty bad this year but I actually do think that they're gonna get their first win this week against the Cowboys I'm gonna have to go with the Seahawks
2: Bears at Arizona the Cardinals are really bad I think and uh, Chicago's been impressive so, I'm, I'm going Chicago with that pass rush.
4: Not even Chase Edmonds can save <laughs>
2: the Cardinals at this point. Or, or David
3: Johnson, for that matter, when I'm taking Chicago.
4: I think Khalil Mack is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. And he has made that defense look so scary. I am taking Chicago by a lot.
0: I'm going to have to agree with all of you. The Cardinals have been an absolute train wreck this year. I think the Bears S- Sam
3: Bradford is atrocious. Yeah. I don't know how Why he says I don't know starting? how Rosen isn't starting It's Josh right Rosen yet, time this week. <laughs> it's
2: ridiculous. New England at Detroit is my lock of the week. New England doesn't lose back-to-back games, and Detroit, there's going to be an extra incentive with Matt Patricia there, so give me the Pats big. Yeah, Patricia revenge game, but New England's coming on top. The Lions are bad.
4: I mean, I mean really bad, so I'm taking New England. Yeah, the Lions are really bad, and Brady's out to prove that he's not done yet. Give me New England.
0: The Lions are really bad, and the Patriots, like you said, Vinny, they're not going to lose again. They're much better than that, so I'm also going to go with the Pats
2: and pittsburgh at tampa bay Ooh, does Fitz magic continue that's the question i think so give me one more week and uh after the game i, I think pittsburgh will go up in flames the whole city they're gonna panic and riot that-, that that's what'll happen here
3: there's too much turmoil going on in pittsburgh for them to win a game this week uh, and like you said Fitz magic has been brilliant the new uh the Excuse me. The Pittsburgh defense has been awful, particularly in their secondary, and I think Fitzmagic tears them apart again.
4: Pay Le'Veon Bell right now. Get him back. Start winning games. I want the Conor McGregor lookalike. Nah, bro. He's a Jimmy Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay.
0: Yeah, we get uh, the Steelers get Le'Veon Bell back, and they will start winning these games. But until they do that, I'm gonna go with the Bucks.
2: So that's gonna do it for us. Like those picks. Hopefully, I improve from my seven and seven record. But been a lot of fun for Jackson Heil, Matt Costantini, and Artemis Segaris, and Dom Capone, and Emmanuel Bavari producing. I am Vinny DeBellis. See you next week.